0: Hey Wyoming, welcome to the Lawn and Garden Podcast with the University of Wyoming Extension Specialist Jeff Edwards and co-host Jerry Arshapak. Originally aired on KGOS and KERM in Torrington,
1: join Jeff, Jerry, and all their special guests as they talk all things gardening in the great state of Wyoming, from plant
0: variants to weather events to pesticides and pollinators. Our Lawn and Gardening Podcast helps you improve your home garden as well as your small acreage. So let's welcome Jeff Edwards
1: and Jerry Urshabek.
2: Good morning, everybody. This is Jeff Edwards and Jerry Urshebeck for the KERM Lawn and Garden Program. Good morning, Jerry. How are you? Good, thank you. And how about yourself? Uh, hanging in there. It's been kind of a fun week. Interesting.
0: Interesting.
2: But they're always fun, right? Yep. Our guest today will be Catherine Wisner. Good morning, Catherine.
1: Good morning, gentlemen.
2: Catherine is the horticulturist for Laramie County down in Cheyenne. And uh, we'll get to talking to her in just a little bit after a few messages from our sponsors. Wyoming First Lady Jenny Gordon's Wyoming Hunger Initiative, the Sensible Nutrition Program, and the University of Wyoming Extension are partnering to launch a program called Grow a Little Extra. We invite you to join us in growing a little extra to donate fresh produce to local anti-hunger organizations that support our neighbors facing food insecurity. Stop by your local extension office to pick up your free seeds, or donate extra from your garden harvest. For more information, visit www.nohungeryo.org/grow. www.no.hu.n.g.e.r wyo. dot o r g slash g r o w. Good morning again, everybody. This is Jeff Edwards and Jerry Urshabek for the K E R M Lawn and Garden Program, along with our guest Catherine Wisner. We're into September, and things are starting to cool off. Hopefully.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. Just yeah, when it so- seems
0: to cool off, it seems to creep back up to ninety again. So yeah, you know, isn't, we're. Isn't it- we're getting, we're getting to that apex or that, that, that finalization of, of summer and into the Indian summer. Wouldn't you suspect?
2: I, I would think so. It's, uh, it's starting that way. You know, fall harvest for our local producers is kind of in full swing. Beans, beans are coming out. Sugar beets are coming out. Um, it's, uh, the corn is starting to dry down. I think they're hauling a lot of silage right now. So, uh, those things are happening, everybody is very busy, and we acknowledge that. and We're glad that you guys are working, so
0: um, yeah, it, and give them a break, watch out, slow down. <laughs> big, big machinery is being transported across highways. That's right,
2: do not pull out in front of them and expect them to slow down. <laughs>
0: <laughs> don't expect them to have good breaks. Uh, well, no, don't be saying that, Jerry. Just <laughs> oh, no, now, it, no, you're right, but, it's you know. Very- I, i had an old truck i had a 52 chevy pickup and what made me so angry is i'd pull out or i'd be going down the road and people would say oh look at that old truck i'll pull out in front of him <laughs> he's got good brakes am i going i can get it going <laughs> i have a little more trouble getting it stopped
2: yeah these guys have to be inspected so everything oh, should be that's in true order right yep. so yep, yep. Uh, but but Just because they're big and heavy doesn't mean that you can pull out in front of them. They'll just—they can't
0: stop on a dime. Let's put it that way.
2: Kind of like those train crossing warnings that we get. Oh my gosh! Yes. Yep. (laughs) They might see you, but they might not be able to stop.
0: (laughs) So anyhow, and the the idea behind all of that information was, if you if you pull out in front of a train, you can't garden anymore. That is true.
2: Yeah, you won't be gardening anymore. Somebody else might be gardening in your place. Okay, so that's enough of the public safety announcement. Let's move yeah. on. <laughs> Let's move on to our topics of the day. And Catherine, you know, as we are moving into fall, I know you wanted to talk a little bit about uh, getting your garden, your trees, your lawn, your turf, whatever for ready for uh, winter. So I'm going to turn things over to you and uh, uh, let you start. And if we find a weakness, we'll a rabbit hole. or a rabbit hole or a rabbit hole we'll we'll pursue it so uh let's go ahead
1: (laughs) okay well thanks gentlemen and i'm glad that you're going to keep me on my toes and make sure i'm giving accurate information to your listeners so here we go as everybody knows we have had a hot dry and occasionally windy summer again and that hot dry, really translates into a lot of stress on trees. And and I I see the trees starting to turn color already, and I've had people point out and look, oh, isn't that a beautiful yellow? Well, <laughs> that beautiful yellow is really a very stressed tree, and it has only one thing it can do, and that's to get rid of its leaves and shut down. And so it's really going into dormancy a whole lot sooner than it really should. So what to do, what to help that tree? The, the worst thing you can do is fertilize. So don't fertilize your trees. Don't, don't give them a dose of, of anything. But what you should be doing is taking the garden hose out and just putting the garden hose underneath the tree and turn it on to a trickle and water your tree deeply, So instead of what, I know a lot of people are going to go, oh, well, you know, I get water when I water the lawn. Well, the lawn's going to take that water up first, and then whatever is left over the tree gets.
2: The the lawn is taking the water.
1: The lawn is taking the water at the expense of the tree. Sure. And what what happens is a lot of those tree roots come to the surface, those feeding roots, the the roots, those fine hair roots that want food and water, and they come to the surface. So, what you can, and it's really not desirable. So, and those deep rooting wands are useless because they just put water in one space. They have a tendency to erode out the, the soil around the roots. So, I don't like those deep root feeders at all.
2: So, you could cause a sinkhole in your yard, is what you're saying.
1: Or a duck pond, or. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 It, they're not a good idea. And people put them down too deep and they leave them there for an hour. And no, just take the garden hose, you know, turn it on, watch it trickle, time it, find a bucket, find a one gallon or five gallon bucket and time it. And how long does it take to fill that bucket? If it's a one gallon bucket. So the formula, the rule of thumb formula for watering your trees Is for every inch of trunk diameter, diameter. so not not circumference, not going around, but just the diameter. Across. Across, thank you. So for every inch across or diameter is 10 gallons of water. And you measure that diameter up from the ground a foot. So a foot up off the ground, that diameter times... 10 per inch and then whatever that so if it's a 10 inch diameter tree that's 100 gallons of water take your bucket time it and then start moving drop the hose under the tree move it around and give your tree a good deep drink so the the importance of having a tree well hydrated into winter is it will do a whole lot better it'll survive the winds it'll survive the extreme cold, a whole lot better. You'll see a lot less dieback on those trees.
2: So, so Catherine, you, you gave us the formula. You gave us an idea of how much water that tree will actually need. Is that on a daily basis?
1: That's on a weekly basis. Okay. If you can do it once a week, if you can afford to do it once a week, I don't know what Torrington water charges per gallon or how that works. I know in Cheyenne that can get pretty pricey but um,
2: but it's necessary
1: but it's necessary if you that those trees are valuable assets to your landscape they can literally increase your property value from a resale standpoint by 10, 10 to fifteen percent depending upon the type of tree the health of the tree and the size of the tree so a good landscape is worth protecting and watering and it's it's worth the investment right and- now tree,
2: and Sorry to interrupt. And if these trees are well hydrated, they're more able to uh, defend themselves against insect pests. Uh, pathogen problems don't seem to be so prevalent. That's just all all around general health of the tree is better. Um, so everything, it not only is winter survival, but it's other things that are happening as well.
1: Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. The better water the tree is, the more it's able to withstand... A lot of environmental stresses and that's the biggest thing i see here in southeast wyoming is the environmental stresses the the wind <laughs> that that we can't escape here in in laramie county at least you guys are a little more protected maybe and then the heat, some days maybe <laughs> 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 yeah
2: <laughs> um so jerry uh when you're watering your trees are you uh, what's your
0: method what are you? What? How are you watering your trees? Well, uh, I have two ash trees, and I was told, oh, I don't know, quite a while years ago, that I should be watering them to fend off the emerald ash beetle, and that was my only defense. Particularly, was to make sure that they're watered. I have three um, sprinklers that I hook together on one line, and for two trees, I give one. I turn these sprinklers upside down. So they just go straight down. And uh, I, I put one in the middle and two on the side. And then I, I let that run for, oh, I don't know, a couple hours or so. And uh, you know exactly how much water you're putting out too, don't you? Uh, yeah, no. <laughs> 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 but I have this set up. So all I have to do is hook a garden hose to it. To it and and the other trees, uh, unfortunately, I'm probably one of those ones that that think that I'm getting enough water for my cottonwoods and I'm surely I'm not uh, I, I need to to alter my my agenda on those but for the small bushes then I, I again I still put those three sprinklers right next to them and just water the crap out of them yeah um That's very scientific <laughs> it is huh how much it is it how how much it is it a is useful measurement? <laughs> but I, 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 time it from, from time to time. unless I forget about it, I mean, you know, it's, it's one of those kind of things that my neighbor, he's always looking at his watch and I'm like, on well, uh, time to reset. And he goes now. And I said, okay. <laughs> so, so he, he times it pretty close and, and gives each one of his lawn sets, I think 20 minutes. And he moves around so uh i i try to i try to water deeply and often well so, not that often but i try to water deeply
2: yeah so every every place where i have uh, landscaped um flowers trees uh i have quarter inch irrigation line with emitters that are already built into it and i spread that out in all of my beds and so i'll let it run for an hour or 90 minutes twice a week and my landscape doesn't get stressed so uh it seems to work pretty well do i know exactly how much water the tree is getting no No. (laughs) is it probably probably a little wetter than it needs it's possible
0: (laughs) yeah on a side note just because uh you you brought up your your trees how are your new apricot trees doing uh
2: some of them are living, some of them yeah. are not. <laughs> yeah. Well
0: thank thank God for the ones that are living.
2: Yeah, exactly.
0: So, so um go ahead, Catherine.
1: So Jeff, what what variety of apricots did you get? That's that's important because apricots is a big word, but there's a lot of different varieties.
2: Uh it's mama's variety. Mom's it, it came from my mother's house in Riverton.
1: Okay. well. That is,
0: that is very productive there. So okay. Uh, uh, I and can't, my go ahead, Jerry. And my brothers and my brother's apricot tree is is my neighbor's apricot <laughs> trees that he that she was eating, and she just kind of was throwing the pits out the back door, you know, sitting on the back door and eating apricots and throwing them out. And just, lo and behold, here here's these plants come up. And so dennis got one of those trees or a couple of those trees i would be happy if they produce fruit i have three in my yard already that are probably
2: i don't know 10 years old they're just starting to produce a little bit of fruit now uh but the squirrels have been enjoying them before i get to them and um if in 10 they're attractive trees to me i I kind of like the way that they look and the things that they do in the fall and the flowers that they produce in the spring. So whether or not they have apricots, that's kind of a, that's a bonus.
0: Catherine, what kind of apricots uh, do you recommend?
1: Well, well again, we're going to, we're going to go back and have kind of a a little bit of a basic horticulture list, lesson on that one, because uh, you know, the USDA has set up plant growth zones, and they have Cheyenne, and I believe they have the Torrington area listed as a zone five, and we are not. We're zone four. Sometimes we're a zone three. So you have to buy plants and trees that are appropriate for zone four. And so that really kind of brings you into the Manchurian variety of apricots and I've tried growing those. I found they don't like the wind, and so I lost mine to the wind. So they do need a little bit more protection in my my area. The conservation district here, Laramie County Conservation District, is planting a lot of Manchurian apricots in their windbreaks now because
2: they, can't. they like them. <laughs> because they can <laughs>
1: because they can and they like them and and according to Sean they're having pretty good luck with them so I, and it's, but it is
2: something different than uh, plums right so a lot of yeah. windbreaks and in the past had uh, they'd planted plums as a fruiting variety mm-hmm. uh, and if you have plums and or apricots it's just something different edible landscape
1: yeah, yeah absolutely. And I found that the birds absolutely adore apricots. And when I had my trees and they were producing apricots, the birds, I'm looking at the fruit going, Oh, great, great. You know, it's almost ready. It's almost ready. And poof, the birds ate it. uh,
2: When we lived in Riverton before, or excuse me, when we lived in Torrington before we lived North of town and, and, uh, the previous owner of the house that we were in had apricots and, uh, Every year, we'd, I'd, I'd go out there and I'd go, okay, we're going to pick apricots tomorrow. Yeah, no. <laughs> tomorrow. That night, that so night or today, that day, we would have one of those windstorms that just stripped everything out of the trees.
0: <laughs> so, uh, you know, those types of things happen. <laughs> now, uh, yes, we do. Uh, with apricots, I mean, they don't have to fall too far to the ground, but do you find that they bruise too hard to be used if they fall? So no. currently,
2: yeah. Currently, <laughs> my my mother's uh, apricots it's it's planted in it's planted in a hell strip between her driveway and the neighbor's yard. The neighbor, yeah. Why well, well, don't yeah? Anyway, um, it when the apricots drop fruit it will drop them onto the pavement and my mom goes out and picks them up every day and of course there's half that's bruised and half that's not bruised so it just kind of depends on your your preference and how bad you want to work it uh, and what you're going to do with it and what you're going to do with them yeah yeah
1: yeah yeah they make I, amazing jams and jellies and apricot butter is divine so you can't yeah. go wrong yeah, you yeah. Just can't go and wrong. they're
2: and they're great to eat fresh
1: Yes, they are. For those are. of us who can. <laughs> yeah, can, can beat a, beats the birds to them. Yeah, well, you know, fruit trees, whether it's an apricot or a cherry or a plum or an apple, they're they're not drought tolerant. And a lot of people come to me and at raspberries too. And Jeff, of all people, you're probably the best to talk about raspberries. But people have a tendency to go, oh, well, they don't need water.
2: I just and, watered them a week ago
1: yeah <laughs> like, <no more. laughs> you need to water a lot almost every day yeah and when, when things
2: are fruiting when when fruit is developing that tree that bush whatever it is uh really is using the water to push that fruit to ripeness so they need to be watered every day
1: every day yep and and not with the drip or not with a soaker hose because that's that's unreliable and you can't, you cannot measure the water. <laughs> so drip tape is the best. Come on, come
2: on Catherine. Water, watering in general, whether you know how much is going out or not would be better than not.
1: That's that's true. That is true. <laughs> yeah, if you've got a raspberry patch, you know, it, it, get the hose out and flood it. it keep it watered. Keep it wet. And, and then I've been telling people with raspberry patches that, you know, like cut it down and get the shop vac out and, and clean it up with the shop vac. So hopefully this fall, I should see, you know, a couple dozen people out in their yards with shop vacs yeah, 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 vacuuming yeah. up their garden.
2: <laughs> so uh, since we're on the raspberry rabbit hole right now, um, uh, yeah. I got to say our, so We've taken all of our raspberries out of the field. We have one variety that we're growing inside the high tunnel, and that is um, uh, Joan J. It's a thornless variety, and I specifically chose a thornless variety for the high tunnel uh, (laughs) just because because they're easier to manage. Um, This year, I've got to say, this year has been the uh, best year of production in our high tunnel. Uh, I think I got the fertility just right. I've got the water just right. uh, we do not have issues with the fruit flies that we've had in the past. We've also had um, issues with mites on the raspberries in the past. We don't have that. I can say that I have a very healthy spider population living in them, <laughs> which I think has been a benefit. Uh, uh, it's, um, but we have been producing raspberries since the middle of July, and uh, they're consistently producing. A, 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 we just have a small amount. Um, they're produ- consistently producing about I don't know a pound every time we harvest. So um, uh, they've been. It's been working out really well.
1: Great. So what kind? How often are you watering your raspberries in the high tunnel? Because that's a whole different growing system and, and every, set of rules. Every day. Every day. Okay. Every-
2: Drip system. Yep.
1: And so, how long are you watering, and how much how much water does each emitter put out?
2: Uh, half an hour, and I think it uh, would be uh, half a. I'm probably putting about a half a gallon. Well, I'd have to figure out the space, the the size that the bed that they're in, right. in order to understand the gallonage. But my emitters are a tenth of a gallon per uh, hour.
1: Okay. Okay so you're not drenching no you're just giving it enough water to meet its requirements for that day
2: I am I am not flooding it that's okay. correct okay
1: yeah. okay yeah most people are growing outside and they're growing in just you know regular mm-hmm. soil oh yeah
2: it's a it's a totally different environment than trying yeah. to grow them outside
1: oh yeah yeah <laughs> so but, but that's one of, the, one of the biggest things I run into is that people grossly underwater their raspberries and they underestimate how much water they, they need, they desperately need. The same thing with their fruit trees. It's like, well, my tree didn't produce much fruit. And it's like, well, how much did you water the tree? Well, one water. Well, not, no, get the hose out and drop it underneath there and, and really water it.
2: Well, and you have to remember, if you're looking at raspberries, they're 90% water. The, the fruit yeah. themselves or, or, or more. Um, so they really rely on good watering when they're fruiting.
1: Yeah. So what would you recommend for fertilizer? Cause that's another big question I get. I, I have my answer, but I'm curious to know what you, you recommend.
2: <laughs> well, I can tell you what I do. Uh, okay. I'm not going to, I'm not going to tell you what I would recommend. Well, I mean, I could, it's the same thing. I, I So I use commercial fertilizer. Um, I think it's a a 12, 4, and it's high iron and high sulfur. Uh, And when I say high, I'm thinking it has got about 12% of both of those in it. Uh, And that combination, because we have high pH soils, I need that extra iron in them to keep them uh, green and growing well. Um, And so raspberries and strawberries instead of just dumping fertilizer on them once a season um, raspberries uh, you need to and strawberries you need to figure out okay if if you let's talk about strawberries first if if you fertilize them in the spring you're going to have mushy fruit so you the the plan is to after they are done fruiting then you take a date in each of the next three months and you split your fertilizer for that crop, uh, by three and then apply that amount each time at one month intervals. And that's usually later. So you start that in July, August, and September, or the end of June, those three things. It depends on if you're producing June bears or, uh, day neutrals, but, um, uh, you're, what you're doing is you're setting up that plant to produce next year's flowers. Well, uh, raspberries are a little bit different than that because you're trying to produce fruit in the fall. So you want to fertilize March, April, May, May, April, June, because in by the by the time July gets here, that plant is producing fruit. So. That's how I do it I kind of figure out how much uh, fertilizer I need divide it by three provide a little food once a month and then by the time it's fruiting season you're no longer applying fertilizer
1: okay. that's how I do it okay so which
2: which is against what you do I know I
1: <laughs> no, that's that's fine because not everybody wants to make their own fertilizer. Right. And you know, and I'm just i just geeky enough and you know, I want my master gardeners to be just geeky enough to to do that. And a lot of people really want to go this organic route as they reach for Miracle Grow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> it's not organic. And and so it's just everybody has a different level sure. of of work they want to do in the garden for reward
2: and, and it's one of those things that you know i can make a recommendation but it's you're probably going to do what you want to do however it works best for you right
1: yeah exactly exactly <laughs> so <laughs> i i am I'm, I'm good with you know you reaching for that that bottle or bag or box or whatever on the shelf and and I just I like to be fiddly enough that I make my own fertilizer and we talked about that method and and the alfalfa pellet tea and right. fish emulsion and the and the corn syrup method but not everybody has that kind of time or inclination.
2: Well, well, that's just fiddly enough. I don't want to mess with it.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. And yeah. what if you forget
0: your recipe? Oh, if you do it long
2: enough, Jerry, you won't forget it, right? Yeah, that's true.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Make it a habit.
2: Yeah. You know, but my thought is, okay, I'm ready to make fertilizer, but I'm out of fish emulsion and nobody else has it. I can't find it. So I (laughs) got (laughs) to wait. Anyhow, we've, you know, we've, we've talked about that in the past and it just depends on what people want to do.
1: Yeah.
0: And how labor intensive it is for the 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 particular individual
1: oh exactly and how much time do you have and 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 a lot of a lot of people want to grow their own fruit and vegetables and i certainly appreciate that and i want to help people be successful and it's it can be daunting to be successful here in wyoming with trying to grow fruit because people want to grow all this exotic stuff and it's like, I want to stick to the basics and see how well we can do on the basics and then move from there. But the the biggest thing I run into is that people grossly underwater their, their raspberry patch, their strawberry patch. They underwater their fruit trees. And, and sometimes I just run into it where people just flat out don't want to spend the money to water yeah. their produce. And it's like, you know, you're just not going to be productive if you don't water it.
2: Uh, Speaking of exotic things, I met a gentleman I believe it was this spring up in Lusk who has been growing pineapples in his greenhouse. Oh my word.
1: (laughs) Oh good for him. Yeah I know
2: it's awesome. So uh, there are some crazy things that uh, can be grown and uh, that are. Um, You know I think we've talked on air about Russ Finch who's over in Alliance who he has a greenhouse that's uh, he calls it citrus in the snow and he is producing lemons and limes and grapefruit and uh, oranges and uh, and selling it commercially he's not just producing one or two pieces of fruit he is, he's is he got wow. enough that he can sell it at the farmer's market so yeah. um, it, it, it's pretty it's just an amazing thing if you are interested and dedicated and have time and uh, we are fortunate enough that we can do that kind of stuff so
1: <laughs> yeah. oh gosh yes
2: yeah, um if you want exotic stuff, it can be done.
1: <laughs> it can be. Yep. So I, I I'm gonna jump back to the watering.
2: Sure, let's go back there. <laughs> just
1: brief just briefly. Um I, I know a lot of people are so pinched for time nowadays and they've got so many other things going on that um <laughs> they trying to remember to water can be daunting. And so Um, you know, one more chore on their, on their list of things to do. Go buy a timer. Timers are cheap. Yeah, I agree. Put a couple, put a couple batteries in that thing, plug it into the hose and, you know, monitor it, you know, make sure that it's working and that it's not springing leaks and doing tricks, but that's your best employee in the garden. Absolutely. Your best employee.
2: My, uh. My experience with timers is that they are awesome. I am not one to go in every year and change out the batteries. So I need to make sure that uh, throughout the course of the season that things are working like they should. Uh, I actually caught things this year and and um, uh, had one that the batteries were no longer functional. Uh, probably, let, probably let things go a little bit too long, but they have since recovered and uh, are. Uh, I am going to have a winter squash crop. So,
1: (laughs) yeah, very good, very good. Um,
2: um, Sorry to interrupt, Catherine, but I think it's time to take a break and uh, we will take a few moments and listen to our sponsors and be back right after this.
0: Looking for the best way to keep up
2: with all the news from University of Wyoming Extension, the College of Agriculture and Wyoming Ag Experiment Stations? The UWAGnews.com website features real-time education, research and extension events, and feature stories from across the state. And subscribe to our monthly email newsletter. Bookmark UWAGnews.com today. UWAGnews.com. Growing people, knowledge, and communities. Good morning again, everybody. This is Jeff Edwards and Jerry Urshabek for the KERM Lawn and Garden Program. Our guest today is Catherine Wisner. We've been talking about the need for watering, uh, prepping things for winter, and a couple of rabbit holes, fruit trees and raspberries and some good stuff like that. So uh, I think the um, uh, portions of the rest of the program, we're going to continue with uh, uh, topics that Catherine had, but we also want to get Jerry involved in the conversation towards the end and spend a little time talking about Fall and the pumpkins and the pumpkin season. So, Catherine, we kind of left on uh, uh, watering. Uh, were, were there more things that you would like to talk about with uh, water?
1: Okay, I'd I'd like to jump over to turf.
2: Okay, let's hop to turf.
1: Turf management, um, lawns, lawns. People get really excited and worked up and overthink their lawns. And I'm being nice. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Um, well, it's got to be the best looking one in the
1: neighborhood. Oh yeah, my yeah no. I, I thankfully I live out on the prairie, and I don't have neighbors for about a half a mile all the way around me.
2: So you don't I, care?
1: I don't care. I don't mow. I don't water. I don't have a lawn. I don't want a lawn. I don't want that work. I, I don't want that. I don't want any of it. I just mow paths through the prairie. That's all I do. <laughs> but but in town, it's it is you know, part of the code to have at least a semi-nice looking lawn. And again, I run into a lot of situations where people over-fertilize. Fertilize Fertilize once, once a year is the recommendation coming from the University of Wyoming and Colorado State University down in Fort Collins from Dr. Koski is once a year. Kind of debatable whether it's spring or fall. I prefer spring so that you can give that lawn a good boost and that the fertilizer stays with the lawn and doesn't run off with water or the snow. And the other thing is, don't mow your lawn to the ground. I see a lot of people mow it to like two inches and then wonder why it struggles.
2: We talked about scalping last week on the program, didn't we, Jerry?
0: Yes, and that's <laughs> that's a no-go. Yeah. <laughs>
1: So so there, So, if you look at your lawnmower, everybody, you know, after the end of the show, go look at your lawnmower and look at the wheels and down at the front wheels and sometimes the back wheels, but the front wheels, there's these little levers and you can adjust the height of your lawnmower at these little levers at the wheels. And you really want it as high as it can go. The higher, the taller the grass is, the healthier it's going to be. And if your grass is long right now, leave it long going into winter. It'll hold more snow. It'll be it's got more green leafy material so it's going to photosynthesize longer and it's going to have more energy in the spring. So you want to set your lawn up now for good spring regrowth. So so I'm going to take a chore away from everybody. <laughs> I'm going to give you one shortness to go check your lawnmower and adjust the wheel height to maximum. But then put the lawnmower away for the rest of the season and don't mow again. It, your lawn might look a little long and a little, little shaggy. Don't worry about it. It'll be a lot healthier next spring and you'll have fewer weeds. There's a bonus, fewer weeds. Yeah, <laughs> so
2: so one of the guys uh, that I've had give presentations for our pesticide classes, he uh, he, he says... That the best herbicide is a healthy lawn, right? If you're trying yeah. to keep weeds out of your lawn, if it's healthy and and uh, growing aggressively, it will compete with those weeds or outcompete
0: those weeds and keep it weed free. So yeah, throwing yeah, so a absolutely. wrench into that, we have a honey locust tree, a female honey locust tree, because she produces a lot of pods, and rather than to rake them up and try to contain them we mow them so we're mowing into november crunching so, up our crunching up our our uh, honey locust pods so so remember
2: jerry uh again it's as we spoke of before that was a recommendation from Catherine. oh yeah <laughs>
0: What, what works for you might be different than her recommendation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just thought I'd throw that in. That's my monkey wrench.
1: Okay. So, so an interesting note on honey locust trees is that they are a member of the legume family. And the leaves are naturally high in nitrogen. So it's a natural fertilizer. So when you use your mulching lawnmower raised as high as it can go and you're crunching up all those seed pods keep in mind those seeds can actually be viable and someday you might have a little honey locust forest out there maybe
0: already Um, do
2: yeah
1: well
2: then he uses rototiller to get rid of that
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, they, they don't survive a rototiller well.
1: Yeah, no, they don't. No, they don't. But um, I, Oh, I forgot where oh, I was so going it's with funny. this. It's,
2: it's funny, Jerry. Catherine just shakes her head at the things that we do, and oh, and yeah. then she tries to recover. It's fun to oh, watch her.
0: She shakes <laughs> her head at what I say. I say oh, oh. How do you survive, Urshavak?
1: <laughs> yeah, you know, it's... I can make all the recommendations on how to be successful in your garden and how to understand lawn fertilizers and make your own and yada, yada. But it really comes down to what people ultimately want to spend their time doing. And, and I like to, I like to take chores away from people and make gardening simpler and easier. Stop mowing, stop mowing right now, put your lawnmower away. You know, don't mow up those seed pods until next spring. Unless it makes you crazy seeing them well, on, crazy. on
0: the lawn. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I live with also another, another gardener that insists that uh, w- we do that, you know? So, Hey, it's just as easy to do it as to argue.
1: <laughs> well, yeah. The, pick your, pick your battles, right? That's yep.
0: yep. So we were talking, you said, uh, Uh, They have and contain quite a bit of nitrogen, those seed pods.
1: Well, the leaves of the the honey locust tree are are natural. You know, they have a little bit of nitrogen in them. So it's a natural source of of nitrogen, which is a fertilizer, a macronutrient. So, you know, those mulched into the lawn are, are good for the lawn, good for the soil. Good organic material putting back. Yeah.
0: Yeah we like honey locust trees that that's one of our favorite trees to grow well i'm starting
2: i'm starting to appreciate all the locusts uh i have several in my landscape but particularly the uh really spiny ones
0: <laughs> yeah i don't like that one for you um well or for it, me yeah
2: it's okay um best part about it is that the deer leave it alone oh yeah yeah <laughs> So, so but Jeff,
1: when you say you've got spiny honey locusts, are you locusts are you talking about the black locusts or
2: they are or not honey
1: locusts?
2: You know, uh I've had several people here look at them. They are I th- I believe that they are just uh honey locusts that
1: with thorns? With thorns. Yeah.
2: yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. They are they are very healthy trees.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Jerry
2: Jerry's showing how big the thorns are. Uh they are they are very aggressive thorns. <laughs>
1: yeah it's uh they're a little scary
0: (laughs) yeah no no kid would be climbing that tree uh yeah but the squirrels still do oh yeah (laughs) jimmy can move around them thorns yeah jimmy can (laughs) okay so um
2: catherine just uh, you know we're we're getting to the point where i want to give jerry plenty of time to talk about there you go anything anything else that you would like to uh add today today's program
1: Uh, well for anybody who lives out on the land on acreage you know don't mow your prairie worst thing you can do to your prairie is mow it unless you like ground squirrels prairie dogs snakes spiders weeds soil erosion drifting snow if you like all that stuff by all means go ahead and mow your prairie but if you want to prevent all that stuff don't mow your prairie yeah yeah (laughs)
2: Okay, on that note, Jerry, let's talk vining stuff and pumpkins.
0: Okay, so uh, they're part of the, the, the family called curcurbits, and you had mentioned that uh, you're going to have some winter squash. What, what are you growing?
2: So I have, so, yeah, this thing that I'm holding up now, we're going to talk about in a minute. Okay. Uh, uh, but I have um, kabachas, which are um, in the Hubbard family um uh spaghetti squash and butternuts
0: oh yeah all favorites uh i, yeah. I don't know about the Cubashaw, but uh any of the any of the winter squash man they're good keepers they last long uh i would i would encourage someone to go ahead and put some of those in your garden like an acorn squash maybe if you're just getting started but uh uh, that's for next year of course but sure any of those squash please don't hesitate to try to to eat them cook them bake them anything you want to do with them it's okay and they'll usually turn out pretty darn good
2: we uh we used to grow Saying a lot of, that oh sorry jerry i interrupted you no, we used go to ahead. Grow go ahead of, we used to grow a lot of acorn squash and um uh we've decided that they're c- kind of boring <laughs> There, there are so many other different squash out there. Uh, they're good. They're nutritious, uh, the acorn squash. But um, uh, if, you, if you're not familiar with the kabucha, um, they have much more flavor, particularly after they uh, have been in storage for a while. Um, mm. so, so they're one of those things that actually gets better with time um oh yeah and i i think all winter squash do you, you know you can eat them when they uh, the to me the uh the harvest test is if you poke your thumbnail into them and the flesh doesn't scar or scrape off then it's ready to be harvested uh so um but all those squash uh get better after storage i
0: think yeah and even pumpkin uh here's my segue. Even pumpkin gets better with uh, a little storage and a little time and uh, a freeze. So uh, uh, we always used to pick our stuff uh, right before for the pumpkins, of course, if they were going to be shown, you wanted to protect against the freeze. If you wanted to eat the pumpkin, just go ahead and let it freeze and then harvest and then don't let them freeze again. Oh, they're uh, a whole lot easier to harvest after they freeze. Oh, that can <laughs> after the vine rocks. freeze down. <laughs> <laughs> then you just have to watch out for the vine. They they will reach out and grab you and trip you and make you <laughs> fall on your face. Exactly. Uh, but the they're they're very fun to grow. Uh, to see a, something in the garden, and you kind of go, and hey, what am I going to do with that? If you're not going to do anything with them, you can display them on your porch or your sidewalk or on top of your fence. Uh, you know, so there's a lot of things you can do seasonally with acorn squash. Uh, uh, we always liked butternut buttercup mm-hmm. squash. And like you said, it gives you more more fruit. Uh, acorns are a little boring, but, you know, my that's my brother's favorite. So we always try to throw one plant in for him. So the pumpkins, uh, and there's some crazy people that want to grow giant pumpkins. And everything that we know about fertilization gets thrown out the window because they throw micronutrients and mass quantities of fertilization at these pumpkins in order for them to grow large. And a lot of water. And a lot of water. And hydration, just like uh, Catherine was saying, when, a, when a, a, a fruit tree is starting to fruit, you need to put more water on it. Pumpkins are one of those things that just need lots and lots and lots of water. So they get watered every day as well. And then there, there's even foliar feeding if, if the sun is too hot on the leaves. Uh, they even talk about putting a blanket or a coat on the pumpkin itself to shade that skin. They want that skin to be so easily stretched because if they gain seven or eight pounds a day, a day, uh, that skin needs to to be able to stretch, you know, uh, women, when they're pregnant, always put lotion on their, on their belly. And, uh, I don't know if that keeps stretch marks from appearing, but you know, it's self-massage is always one of those good things when you're, when you're pregnant. I don't recommend massaging your pumpkin and I don't recommend your pumpkin. or what? Lotioning your pumpkin. No, not loosening your pumpkin <laughs> or allowing people to smoke in your pumpkin patch because right. of disease, tobacco mosaic. Primarily. Oh, we lost Catherine.
2: We lost Catherine on the lotioning.
0: <laughs> oh, <laughs> I see. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Jeff, you showed a, a leaf of of looks something of a of a squash or a, uh, and it looks henpecked. It looks uh, it looks like it's in trouble. So um, I
2: have uh, I I go for a walk every morning, and um, along a ditch that I am walking near, there is this viney plant. This is one leaf. Oh wow! There okay and it is a viney plant I have never seen flowers on it I've never seen seed pods or a fruiting structure uh, but um, in in my book that would be a weed that you do not want I don't I don't know what it is I'm trying to figure it out uh, I've submitted a sample to different places to try to understand huh. what it is but um, it's a vine and it occupies about a 30 50 foot, patch wow one of of the ditches so uh it it is in that cure cubitaceae uh family did i say that right i think I might have it sure
0: sounded good to me (laughs) okay (laughs)
1: Uh,
2: so uh yeah i'm trying to figure out what that is and hopefully it doesn't invade e uh uh, anywhere
0: else other than where it's (laughs) it looks like it's it's heavily infested with spider mites no, there's nothing on it. It's it's totally clean. It's just a little off color. Oh, I'll be darned. Yeah, yeah, and it's showing so, up much more green on the screen than what it actually is. Than what it is. Yeah, but uh, there will be there will be a pumpkin way off here in Goshen County, as well as in Worland, and as well as at Fort Collins at their nursery. And okay. uh, if you've never been to a pumpkin way off. Probably the one in Warland will be the most spectacular because they drop a pumpkin onto a car. <laughs> Before or after <laughs> they weighed it? Uh, well, I'm not even sure that they weigh that one, but it's it's one of those kind of uh, spectacles that if you've never seen a pumpkin drop from, I don't know, one of those large boom trucks yeah you know, how, big, how big is the splatter zone or the shrapnel uh, zone? <laughs> they, they they move people out at least 30 feet <laughs> so uh and i would suspect even further because you know it's under pressure it's falling 32 yeah. feet per second squared and it hits that car and and bursts apart and squashes on the car as well uh pun intended yeah squash the car squash the car and so uh uh That will be all coming up uh, end of September, 1st of October. And, uh, you know, kudos to those people. That's the labor intensive stuff, Catherine, that we were talking about before. Uh, How much do you want to put into your pumpkin and how big do you want it? Well, you always want them as big as you can. But there's some labor uh, associated with that. You don't turn the pumpkin at all. You, you just kind of keep cutting vines back and keep shaping your pumpkin as it grows because it has a main vine, a primary vine. It has a secondary vine and a tertiary vine. And you want to keep the tertiary vines cut off. Okay. And that allows the, the pumpkin to grow on the secondary vine or the main vine. And so uh, they start early and they try to end late. So ending late, they put a a cloth or they put a, their pumpkin, they put a tent in their pumpkin. They put a tent over their pumpkin. Uh, they try to protect the canopy as much as they can. But of course, when you, like you said, when it freezes and there's a, a heavy frost, that canopy will drop. Now, yeah. most, most, pumpkin growers will not cut their pumpkin off the vine right then. They will actually, the they'll lose weight due to what's called transpiration. And they will keep that vine intact as long as they can. And then once they decide that that's the pumpkin that they're going to do, they load it on a pallet and put the vine in a plastic gallon jug and tape it to the vine so that the vine still has a little bit of opportunity to take up a little more water. So it can gain more weight if it needs to. It, if it, well, it won't lose it as much. Yeah. I doubt I, if it would gain much. Sure. And, you know, I suppose that if you were, uh, you know, some people go, Oh, you should put lead in it. Well, uh, that's you know, cheating. Yeah. <laughs> And it would leave a mark on the pumpkin. So, you know, when your pumpkin is presented for uh, way off, it should look like a fair pumpkin, a uh, something that's going to win a blue ribbon. And there shouldn't be a, a mark or a cavitation or a plug, a plug hole. Uh, none of that kind of stuff. My uncle tried to put uh, dairy, uh, that powdered milk substitute mm-hmm. for calves, in a bucket and put the vine in it and put a vine, but it just made the pumpkin turn to mush. (laughs) So we don't suggest that. Not a good idea. Yeah. So I I don't know the details of the way off here that we're gonna have in Troynton. I've been hearing a little bit of smack talk that, hey, we've got some contenders coming on. And so it'll be interesting to see what we've had. This has been a hard year for uh, large pumpkin growers, just due to the the cold start, the heavy wind, uh, and Catherine, I'm, I'm thinking that you must have heavy, heavy wind, because I think we have heavy wind. Uh, uh, I, I think that uh, the people that run the solar uh, blades, I think they do a, a pretty good job in, in all areas of Wyoming. So unfortunately, we don't have a pumpkin to present. We have a little one, but uh, and we'll probably gather it around and, and, and take it in and, and present it at our way up. And, and use it at the, uh, Halloween. And as well use it for Halloween decoration. You know, that's what I, I miss the most about growing pumpkins uh, on a larger scale is because when you, when you go to harvest them, Every one of them looked pretty. We had, Myrna and I would harvest and go, "Oh Myrna, look at this one. This is a pretty one." And uh, uh, you had said something about having more spiders in your greenhouse. Yep. Well, uh, pumpkin canopies generally attract pumpkin uh, usually attract spiders to them because pumpkins attracts uh, spider mites and a whole host of other gnawing voracious critters that uh, like the cucumber vine beetle, Mm -hmm. I believe that's what it's called. Mm -hmm. Uh, It'll decimate a a pumpkin pretty quickly. Squash bugs. Squash (laughs) bugs. Oh yeah. So, uh, and mites, they're, they all, they all have their specific duty, but spiders are one of those critters that just eat them all up. So Jeff, Yes. I saw on TV that they were remarking that there were a lot of spiders on the move. And they said it's primarily the ones that are on the move are the male spiders looking for female spiders. Can you shed any light on that? Not not on the on the mating or courtship, but have you seen a lot of of influx of spiders? Have I seen, yeah,
2: thanks for not asking me to do the sex ed show today. Yeah, Um, you're welcome. (laughs) uh, Have I seen a lot of spiders on the move? I wouldn't say that this year is any different than any other year for for me. Um, I'm sure there are places where there are many spiders out and about. Uh, One thing that spiders do to help them disperse is called, um, I want to say threading, but I don't think that that's right. Uh, parachuting. They'll actually shoot out a, a piece of thread. If they'll get to a high spot, shoot out a piece of thread and then disperse in the wind. So a lot of times in the fall, uh, if you're traveling, you'll see a lot of webbing on different places. And it's these spiders,
0: they're trying to disperse
2: themselves.
0: Huh? Yeah. Thank God we don't have those, those spiders around us that and have you seen the pictures of those? The 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 webbing is just phenomenal. I mean, yeah. it covers a tree and three or four uh, yards on either side of it, and you and you think that it's a Halloween prank. I think most of that's coming out of Australia, isn't it? I don't know, uh, <laughs> but you know, when you see pictures, you go, "Oh my gosh, not here!" Yeah, go, I'm glad yeah, that's not, not here. Yeah, not here. If you haven't seen it yet, you probably won't. We just see the the nice uh, spider webs in the corner of a garage or that sort of thing. Now. So the reason I bring this up is I've, I've gotten these, uh, uh, glue boards and they're just a, they're just a piece of cardboard with some really strong glue on it. And I put them in the garage and every so often I, I tip it up to see what I've gotten, what I've caught. And I've caught quite a few large spiders. So I thought maybe perhaps there was an influx of spiders as the season goes into fall. Uh, I know they're probably looking for a place to get into. Place uh, to overwinter. Overwinter yeah. and that sort of thing. As, yeah. Mo- yeah. as most bugs will, correct? Mm, I'll, I'll, there are many types of insects that like to find harborages for wintertime. For winter. So Catherine, you had said earlier that one of the reasons for cleaning up your garden was to get rid of pests that might overwinter. What about the good guys? What about the good guys, Catherine?
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, when I, when I tell someone to take a shot back to their raspberry patch, I'm thinking about the spotted wing drosophila and, and trying to get rid of that, that monster because most people aren't aware of it. Most people probably aren't aware that they're eating bug larva and their raspberries either, so we'll, well, we'll keep that quiet.
2: It's, it's nice to know that raspberries have become a
1: protein source as well. Exactly. So <laughs> trying to mitigate some of the damage is just really good sanitation. You know, that's, that's a whole integrated pest management approach is good sanitation is, is key to yeah. mitigating a lot of problems and diseases. And, and so if it's something as simple as taking your shop back out and cleaning up that raspberry patch so that you have a better harvest next year and less pest and disease pressure, then I'm sure the spiders will still appear. I, I have no doubt that they will still show up. That the spiders up. will show up. Yeah. yeah.
2: <laughs> okay uh very good Jerry any other comments anything anything that uh going on in the area that
0: you know of well, I know what I'm doing. <laughs> I'm already thinking of next year Oh yeah i'm I'm starting to contemplate uh looking at the sunlight, looking at where uh I'm thinking that where my garden sits right now and how the sun is at 10 o'clock, where my shade still is. Uh, I'm, I'm starting to, to look at my garden as far as what and where am I gonna plant stuff next year? Because we like to try to rotate as well, uh, part of that sanitation. Uh, we try to rotate our crops and, and now is a good time to think about, well, where are you gonna put your pig wire? What are you going to grow on it? Where are you going to put it? The tomatoes. Um, I think we got way too much sun this year. And uh, I'm thinking morning sun, afternoon, or uh, morning shade, afternoon sun, or vice versa. Mm-hmm. I don't know which is going to be better. Maybe afternoon sun or maybe afternoon shade because it gets really hot in the afternoon. Yeah. So that's that's kind of what I'm looking at right now. And and uh, making my approach for next year.
2: Well, now is a good time to, you know, as as our gardens start winding down, to start thinking about next year and then uh, uh, making a plan. I don't, I'm pretty bad. I don't write things down. I just rely on my memory and my wife's memory, and she's usually correct
0: so <laughs> that's what we do as well and then stand and argue a little bit and go all right hey let's put them here let yeah that's a good idea let's do that and uh uh you know we, when we we when I say we have pig wire it's it's uh the the really heavy duty hmm Cattle panel, I guess it's what it's called. And well, they can be called hog panels or cattle panels, I think. Okay, I think we're hog panels because they're okay. They're like four-inch squares. Okay. And uh, and we replace those, or we place them in different positions uh, about every two years. And okay. So they're needing to be replaced and uh, put in, not replaced, just put somewhere else. Moved. 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 So Catherine, uh, you had once told us that you like to put plastic down on your garden. Do you put it down in the spring? Tell me how you do that.
1: So when I put plastic down, you know, it's a, it's, it's a part of my workforce in the, in the vegetable garden, right? And so it's it's there to work. I put it down in the spring. I have my soil prepped. You only prep the soil when it's dry, right? Only work your soil when it's dry. And I also amend the soil at that time with my own homemade compost and whatever else I think it needs based on a soil test. I put uh, the irrigation down, my drip irrigation. Then I put the black plastic down on top of the irrigation. And it's black side up because I'm trying to warm up or cold Wyoming soils. Your warm season vegetables do a whole world better if the soil is warm. And that's including your pumpkins, your winter squash, your summer squash. They all like warm soil. And I wouldn't surprise me if you could even get your pumpkins, your giant pumpkins to do a little bit better if you put down black plastic so that they could grow on a very warm surface instead of just the ground. So just kind of a thought i i don't grow giant pumpkins to me they're too fiddly <laughs> 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 after our discussion you know i'm a geeky horticulturist and i love making my own fertilizer but giant pumpkins are too fiddly for me <laughs>
0: Every, everybody's got their own amount of fiddle
1: <laughs> oh yeah we do don't we we have our quotas and that's that's kind of beyond mine but yeah the black plastic goes down in the spring I try to take it up at the end of the season and I get rid of all the junk and debris that's on top of that so that I start off with clean.
2: Oh, next, yearly. The
1: next year. yeah. Can you, them,
2: can you use them multiple years?
1: Oh, absolutely. I've got some yeah. that are 10 years old and okay. they just keep on going. Yep. I'm keeping them out of the landfill for a while. Yeah. <laughs> for a while.
0: Yep. yeah until it's all one big bunch.
1: Exactly. <laughs> They, they eventually just kind of fall apart on their own. They sort of start to degrade and unravel. And that's okay. That's right. I got yeah. a lot of use out of them. At They're free.
2: Time for new. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Hey, um, I really hate to say it, but I think we're uh, bumping up against our, uh, our, our time limit here. So, um, Catherine, thank you for being our guest today.
1: You're welcome. Thank you for having me.
2: Appreciate you being here. Jerry, always good to see you thank you so much you know uh final parting shot here you were talking that folks are talking smack about um their giant pumpkins i keep seeing videos showing up on facebook of uh, local producers that i think they're doing they're out there with their bragging rights
0: so well and as well they should (laughs) as well they
2: should okay everybody i hope you have a good friday thank you for listening to us and uh get out and garden this weekend
0: You've been listening to Lawn and Garden with the University of Wyoming Extension Specialist, Jeff Edwards, and co-host Jerry Urshabek. Listen each week for details on new events and how to make your garden flourish. Good day and happy gardening.